Well, welcome everybody to episode 19 of Level Up, 60 minutes of Q&A where your questions really do drive the show. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or on LinkedIn, just do click on the little link in the chat and then that will take you over to Slido, which is where you can vote up the questions that you would like answered the most. And of course, you can add your own. Voting so really, really important. It does help us prioritise our time. Okay, now the disciplines of project and change management are our theme today. So you can ask pretty much anything that you would like on this theme. In the second half of the show, we're going to be focusing again on the benefits of professional membership and how joining can really add value to your career. So something to look forward to there. Look, let's jump straight in today and meet our panel as the questions are already stacking up. And I'm delighted to welcome Tricia Moon, who manages commercial partnerships at the APM. This is the chartered body for project professionals here in the UK. So welcome, Tricia. Great to see you. Hi there. Would you like uh, to say a little I... bit about yourself? <laughs> Sorry, yes, of course. Um, get working across the partnership programme in APM. This is where we develop your on your uh, resources to help organisations and individuals build their capability and make progress through their careers. Thanks for having me today, Nick. Okay, no problem at all. Um, thank you very much for joining. Next, we welcome back um, Yogata, who is a product change leader working in the semiconductor industry, and she's joining us today for her second appearance on Level Up. So hi, Yogata. Good to see you again. Thank you, Nick. Same here. Good to see you and the panellists again as well. Um, I'm Yogita. Uh, I'm a chain management professional working in uh, semiconductor industry for last um, 10 years uh, with uh, experience spanning in operational and organizational chain management. Okay, excellent. Thanks very much indeed for sharing some of your time with us today. Also returning to the panel is Martin Kinch. He's a director at Training Bite Size Limited, whose professional career has been focused on helping thousands now of people gain the new skills and certifications that they need. So welcome back, Martin. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me back. Yeah, thousands. I was looking the other day. So we've been working, uh, me and my team have been working with you guys now over 20 years with the APM and the APMG in certification and trained tens of thousands of project managers in that time. So a really good understanding of certification, what it does and, and how it helps. Excellent. Thank you very much, Martin. Now then, we've got a bit of a special moment. We're all sharing this kind of special moment today, which is all centred around professional project management and the Association of Project Management in the UK and so on, because we're going to welcome Raj Khanna next, who's Director and Lead Trainer at Raj Khanna Associates. And in particular, he actually worked with some other folks on the panel and has helped Ricardo achieve his chartered professional status. Welcome, Raj. Thank you, Nick. Um, and I'll let Ricardo introduce himself. For me, as Nick says, we've been working now, just like Martin, for over 20 years with APMG International. And really, our focus is providing program, project, uh, change management. Thank you. Okay, great. And Ricardo makes up the other half of that kind of equation of the partnership, if you like, that resulted in him becoming the very first, I think, anyway, professional to achieve that chartered status via Praxis Framework. Ricardo works as a senior programme manager over at Irish Rail, and it's brilliant to have you here on, on the panel today, Ricardo. Thank you, Nick. I'm delighted to be here. I'm certainly the least important half of this uh, partnership with, uh, with, with Raj. Um, as he said, I work for the Irish Rail, um, delivering 
a transformation project on the rail network of Dublin suburban area. I've, I've worked on uh, energy software, um, tidal turbines, um, telecoms before. I would say most of my career always on uh, infrastructure capital investment projects. And I felt that um, the, the, the PMIs and uh, the MESPs and brain stews of this world did not give me everything I needed on my day-to-day activity. So after some discussion with Raj, I decided to go for um, the Praxis Framework uh, first, um, uh, practitioner and then professional um, certification, which um, ultimately led to um, the uh, chartered status with, with APM, again challenged by um, Raj and I would say brilliantly supported as well. And I, I would start, I, I'd like to say here very clearly that I think the APM chartered status is, and I underline on the infrastructure sector, probably the most uh, um, renowned and uh, valued um, status we can have um, as, as a project or program manager. So, as I said, delighted to be have been challenged by Raj for having accepted the challenge and delighted to be here to share the experience. Okay, well, thank you very much. And we might dip into some of that experience kind of as we go through the show. And, uh, you know, whatever standards you set yourself in life, however high your aspirations are, having the backing of a professional association to help you get there and some great mentors and coaches and trainers and educators along the way as well can make all of the difference. So if you're watching us on YouTube or on LinkedIn and you're thinking, well, you know, you'd like to join us here on the panel, then take that step take that leap you know just mention it in the chat and one of our team will be in touch with you and we'll get you onboarded so that you can join us so without further ado let's jump straight into our questions for today we're going to hear from our question master who is charlotte who is joining us from the thames valley charlotte may we have the first question please welcome everybody the first question is from chris what are some of the challenge? Sorry, some of the common reasons that stakeholder employees and managers resist change. Okay, so some common reasons for resisting change. Panel, what do we think that those are? I suppose to kick us off, I would say that you know the challenge there um, for many people is that they're not fearful so much of the change, but they are fearful of loss. Mourn the loss of whatever the status quo happens to be. Uh, Raj, go ahead first, and then Ricardo. One of the reasons why organisations or people, individuals, uh, cause resistance, to me, it's sometimes breaking of that psychological contract because change has happened and they haven't been informed, and because it comes as a surprise. Technically, they believe that a psychological contract they had is broken, and that would lead to resistance in a number of cases. Okay, thank you. Ricardo? My experience shows me that people only move or change for two reasons. To get away from what causes pain or discomfort, or to get closer to something that causes satisfaction or pleasure. So uh, otherwise they stand still their comfort zone. So we need to show um, all stakeholders, whether sponsors or, or colleagues or whatever that are involved in the effective change, 
the reason behind the need to change. What, how will they be affected? And they need to understand this very clearly. So we need to give them a reason for that leap out of their comfort zone. Okay, thank you, Tricia, and then Martin. Yeah, um, I think as humans, we're hardwired to resist change. Yes, fearful of it, probably because we don't want to um, upset the status quo and what we're familiar with. So I think communication, if, if you get that right from the outset and you're bringing people along with you, change becomes less fearful and uh, people can perhaps understand more of the benefit and the need for that change and how they can contribute. Absolutely. Martin and then Yogata. Yeah, mine's the same. I, I same as Trish Raj said, really, communication. Not often people don't often think about the individuals. What does it mean to me? If I have a lot of change, what does that change mean to me? And if I don't understand it, I'm fearful of it. I think it is about communication. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Yogata. What, what's your experience in this? I think I totally agree with the rest of the panelists here. Uh, but I do feel that, that the stakeholders sometimes do not understand or it's not communicated to them very clearly and that what's in it for them, which makes them resist for that change. Unless and until they don't know what's coming their way, uh, I think that also plays a very important role in the resistance. Absolutely right. And it's a good um, uh, kind of bit of feedback, isn't it, for anybody that's involved in communication around change is to, you know, stop and think about, you know, have we have we found, have we been able to really understand, you know, the position of each of those stakeholder communities when we're crafting those communications? So very good. Great. Uh, first question to get us going. Charlotte, let's move on. We'll take the next question, please. We've got a question from John in Manchester, UK. I have heard of the seven R's of change management. Are these important to know as a change manager? All right. Well, the seven R's, Yugata, you're you're a practicing change manager, so <laughs> let's go with you first. I'll I'll uh, give it a shot for the seven R's. Uh, but I think it's a similar question that we discussed in the past, which is basically the resistance of the change. And if I have to make a bridge out of it with the previous question, we really need to know who have raised the changes, which is basically one of the R's, the risk that is involved with that change, that people need to know about it. And yeah, uh, the responsibility who is taking care of that change or who is implementing those change. And yeah, maybe I'm not remembering the all the seven R's right now, but like again, it plays a vital role in the seven R's of the change management. Uh, yeah, that's quite all right. Don't worry. We're, n we're not going to test anybody's knowledge um, at this point. Of course. But, you know, I, th I think the uh, yeah, I think the thing to remember is all of these mnemonics are super helpful sometimes, you know, to be able to remember, you know, the three pillars or the, you know, the seven R's or whatever. But in, in practice, it's about recognising a whole variety of different constraints and variables that are involved in managing the change. Raj, go ahead. One of the main R's, uh, which uh, was mentioned by Ricardo earlier, is to understand the reasons. And we talk mm. about creating the urgency. And if people don't understand the reason for change, we've had that issue with COVID, people don't truly understand all the effects that the virus is likely to have. And unless we make that very clear, the individuals are going to resist change and not move on to go from the old to the new. Yeah, absolutely. Ricardo, go ahead. 
Yeah, um, I like. I, I see the seven R's as a business case of change. Um, top management typically develop um, strategic business case focusing on the delivery. Um, sometimes, luckily, uh, identifying what what benef benefits are to be expected, but they forget that change, as in. Um, transformation that people need to go through, that also requires a, a business case. And I would say at least as important as the delivery business case, but unfortunately so many times neglected. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other us I think may well be the, you know, kind of resourcing the change. And I, and I think it's fair to say that on occasions you really do need to staff up. You have to accept that you need to staff up in order to be able to deliver, a, you know, a certain pace of change sometimes in organisations. Depends what, what it might be and how transformational it is versus transactional and those kinds of things. So do um, have a little think um, about all of that. Martin, go ahead. Yeah, I'd say also, we were talking about communication earlier, and it is a communication of responsibilities. Now, whatever responsibilities the stakeholder responsibility, I think they need to be clearly communicated. Is that communication again, I guess? Yeah, most definitely. And and I think when you are in those leadership positions by, you know, taking the action yourself and being able to kind of live the change that you want to see in the organisation mm -hmm. is a great way to inspire others to come on that journey with you. So very good. Thanks very much indeed, Charlotte. Let's um, uh, go on to the next question, please. So a question from Ronald in Brighton in the UK. Are there any techniques that can help with remote change management? So, Martin, go ahead. No, sorry, I've just still... <laughs> okay, all right, no problem. Uh, Raj, we'll come to you first and uh, then I'll share some thoughts. With, with any kind of remote working, one of the challenges is to carry on doing what you did before, but only through the computer system, that's all. And whatever mechanisms you had, for example, I spoke, I was talking to somebody last year, and what they do is every morning as a team, they have a half an hour coffee time, where they don't discuss work, they just come together as a team, like you would do in a normal working situation. You discuss what was on EastEnders or what was on the television the night before, the fact Manchester United lost yesterday. All of these issues are what they discuss in the first half hour. And if we do that as part of change and make that part of our communication network, then I do believe we can start to still use remote working as we did with any classroom or meeting room working. Okay, thank you. And um, Tricia, what are your thoughts on this? You've got a hybrid model of working at the moment, sometimes in the office, sometimes not. How are you managing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we've all learned a lot. I think um, having to work remotely and um, support each other online has sort of facilitated a more human angle. Everyone's getting to know each other a little bit more. As strange as that sounds, you know, you'd think you'd know people best by being with them face to face. I think we've seen quite a shift with working at home and COVID. Um, a big focus on mental health, um, which must remain forevermore I think we're all getting a bit better at that knowing how to look out for each other I think you've got to learn to pick up on different signs and signals remotely 
where you're not necessarily getting the body language or um, nonverbal clues as much as you would face to face. So I think we can all learn to be better in that respect, um, most definitely. Okay, thanks very much indeed. Some good advice there from the panel. Let's move on now. We're going to pick up the pace a little bit if we can, Charlotte. So can we take the next question, please? Question from Geoffrey, Amsterdam in the Netherlands. How important is data in change management? Okay, I would say that data is super important now, you know, especially when you're working with distributed teams. Gather that information in, make sure that you're using all of the collaboration tools that you can to uh, gather in information, not just from the loud, shouty people, um, Raj and then Ricardo. This comes back to the area we talked about earlier called reasons. A number of people will talk about reasons and say, we've got this problem, we've got that problem. Well, that isn't going to be helpful in convincing the leaders to do something. So when we talk about reasons, it must be evidence-based. It's very important that the data where it's collected from is reliable source and where possible that data needs to be triangulated and if you've got the evidence to hand as to what's happening and that's what we've been talking about with covid if the data is relevant and the data is reliable then it is absolutely crucial in understanding the reasons for doing that change and other data aspects will come later that's the starting point from my perspective okay thanks very much ricardo well, I think that is not important only for change management. It's important throughout any organization. Um, we cannot have uh, um, decision-making properly undertaken if we don't have accurate data. So um, I think we need to focus on data to ensure that throughout the organization, governance is, is a function that is um, well uh, developed, undertaken, that everybody has access to the same information, that each piece of information represents the same thing for everybody throughout the organization, um, and that we, we, we all uh, have one common system to access and produce data within the organization. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Some really good um, counsel there um, from the panel. Very good. Um, Charlotte, next question, please. We've got a question from one of our panellists, Raj. When should a change manager be appointed? Okay, in a project lifecycle then, when should a change manager um, be appointed? What are our thoughts on that? Yagasa, when would you like to be drawn into um, being involved in a project? At what stage? For me personally, I would rather be involved at a very early stage. Uh, of the project so that I'm, I'm aware of my actions, communication is being followed and I feel that sometimes this is also missed in many organizations and that is where we have kind of an issue with uh, trying to implement change management slash project management. All right, absolutely. Ricardo? Very simple answer. Since the beginning of the idea formulation to the very end of benefits realization, you need to have the change management team sitting at the big decision-making table. Otherwise, change won't happen. 
Absolutely. So it's pretty clear from the panel. I think we're pretty much unanimous on that. Lots of nodding uh, going on that the earlier it is, then the better generally, you know, uh, you can be advised and you, you will have a better outcome. Very good. Let's move on. Um, Charlotte, we'll take the next question, please. We have a question from Peter in London, UK. What are the emerging mm. trends through the panel scene project management at the moment? Tricia, go ahead. Um, we are obviously heavily involved in, in research um, as one of our disciplines. So um, we're seeing a lot of change at pace all the time. Some of the key, the, there's plenty, but I'm just going to draw on um, a couple here. Um, adaptive project management um, and that can mean so so many different things but how to have hybrid models of project delivery starting with methodologies gone are the days of just picking one methodology and having it see you throughout the the life of the project or the program it's knowing when to flex and use those different methodologies and approaches um Coaching is just flavour of the month everywhere at the moment, and it's certainly being embedded a lot more, and we're seeing it coming out in real big, good pieces of work across all industry sectors because the, the, the aim is to get better outcomes for your projects by using coaching um, at the right time with the right people and the right skill sets. Um, and data analytics, that piece around data, um, I think we'd all put our hands up to saying we've all got masses of data. It's all coming at us left, right and centre. But um, having that one version of the truth, but knowing how to best use the data for, for, for those decisions. Um, so we've got a lot of research and a lot of pieces, working, pieces of work going on where we're looking at what does it mean to be um, in the right space as far as data analytics is concerned. So um, just three okay, topics thanks. there. Yeah, brilliant. No, that's really super helpful. Thank you, Tricia. I might come back to the kind of data analytics in a little while, if I may. Um, Ricardo, go ahead. Um, I'll, I'll try to um, get away from the typical fight or well, um, between the defences of waterfall delivery um, uh, approaches and, and the agile um, uh, manifesto. Um, I certainly wouldn't like to cross a bridge that has been uh, delivered with uh, or uh, with an agile um, methodology. Uh, but there's one thing that it's, it's uh, uh, undeniable: uh, the, the infrastructure world, the waterfall defensers, needs to embed themselves in flexibility that can only be achieved with an agility mindset. So we all have a lot to learn from those in the Agile world, how to flatten and how to um, get faster um, decisions, um, flatter governance structures, um, more, more, more efficient in getting uh, through uh, gateway reviews, for instance. So there's a lot to learn, and I think flexibility here is, is the key word. Okay, thank you very much, Raj. One of the challenges we've got in any of this uh, is the different frameworks with different terminologies. We're not here promoting one or the other, but one of the things that I believe is very important and essential mm. is for the organization to have its own approach to program and project management and use the terminology that you would want to use. 
the classic words I use, thank you, can be thank you, merci beaucoup, thank you, Sean, shukriya, or we have to decide what language we're going to use. So that's very, very important. Whatever trends are out there, we need to make sure ours are better. And just to finish off on Ricardo's point, and that methodology, when you're doing the foundation part, for any change initiative, you decide which work, which way will work better. As Ricardo says, if it's a bridge, it has to be um, waterfall. If it's something else, and it be incremental. And the judgment is made per initiative. Both have got to go in. But really, for me, get your corporate methodology done. And that will help all of these. Thanks, Raj. Martin? Um, very quickly, I'd say it's a really exciting time. We've seen, we've seen a lot of the people that are coming through our training, merging roles. It's what Tricia said. It's about the hybrid roles, a new hybrid style of project manager coming through, where you, you, you're combining skills of business analysis, particularly data analytics. Data analysis has become a huge thing that we're seeing through about using data in the business. Uh, design, project managers get more involved in design of products. But exciting technologies like AI, the metaverse, uh, the cloud. You know, there's a whole range of things. So we're seeing this new hybrid project manager coming through. It's got much wider skill set than perhaps the traditional project manager had. I think that's very true. And, you know, the the way in which um, our uh, work is so enabled now by, you know, by IT, by software, by integrating services together, um, it means that, that data is at the heart of you know, understanding where you are. Um, you know, in my early consulting career, the, the PMO, uh, people in there every Thursday, Thursday afternoons were when the programme board actually met, and, and Wednesday nights, the, lo- the lights were on really, really super late in the PMO office. Now, I'm not suggesting that data is the answer, you know, real-time feeds are the answer to all of that. They probably still work very long hours, but at the same time, it's critical now for us to be able to understand and interpret you know, data. It really, really is super important. And those additional skills of understanding the role of the business analyst and, and truly getting our heads around that provides for a, a much more um, well-rounded, if you like, um, project management profession for the future. So absolutely right and proper. Thank you very much, panel. Mm. Um, Charlotte, we'll take one more question before we go to the focus topic. So go ahead, please. Okay, we've got a question from a live viewer. Are there scenarios in which managing change is not required? Um, I would argue probably not is a short answer. I think everything, no matter how incremental, um, still needs a degree of conscious thought to manage it. But go ahead, Raj. Absolutely agree with what you just said. Introducing a single process, even from Apple to go from version 14 to 14.8 or 14.9, it will involve something different that has been delivered, which means we have to get people to transition from the old way of working to the new way of working if we are going to deliver the benefits that were ironed out, the reason why Apple decided to go from 14.8 to 9. So personally, I don't believe anything that we do, anything new rather that we produce, does not actually involve change management. Creating a dish for your child on the table, guess what? You need to get them to eat it. So actually, the answer is definite. No, there is nothing, in my opinion. All right, you got it. I think I totally agree with Raj as well. That I, I cannot come up with a scenario which doesn't involve change. 
it's simple as that that i i i just can't it's yeah, I, personally I or professionally agree. both yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you, Yogasa. At the moment, I'm trying to adopt the, uh, you know, a healthier way of living. So I'm trying to embrace the couch to 5K kind of thing. And somebody's thought that program out. Somebody's written it down. Somebody's trying to motivate me. Somebody's trying to engage me in that, you know. And I have to get engaged. It's not going to happen if I don't get engaged. So however small the change is, personally or professionally, it needs our active firm attention and involvement and engagement so that's great well thank you very much panel so what we're going to do now is we're going to change gear a little bit and we're going to move on to our focus topic now for those of you who are following along in slido just change rooms now just click on the focus topic tab and you can enter your questions there now the apm is firmly now into its 50th year of supporting the project management profession during that time has grown to a community of more than 22,000 individuals and was awarded its royal charter in 2017 so i'm delighted to welcome trisha moon from the apm to tell us some more about the association um, its memberships and you know how we can benefit from it so over to you trisha Thank you. Thank you very much, Nick. Um, I'm just going to update you there because we currently have just shy of 36,000 individual wow. members working with APM. Wow. So Excellent. not just in the UK. Yeah. So we've got um, we've got global reach as well. Um, and through being part of the APM as a professional body, you're going to have access really to be part of and reach those networks. Um, so why be part of a professional body? Um, it's got to have something in it for you you know else it's uh, not worth your your time um and your energy i guess we've all got two choices when we're driving our careers we can go it alone um trying to do everything ourselves or we can build the right resource and the people and, and the critical friends around us and those networks um, to help us perhaps progress at pace and if there's one thing we think we do rather well at the APM, it's bringing people together with a remit of learning, sharing and evolving across careers right throughout you know, your journey. Um, it can be a minefield navigating which route is right for you. There's many pathways um, through the profession. So this is where professional bodies um, come into come into their own it's about giving you that tailored advice and support for what's going to suit you what's going to fit you and your ambitions one size doesn't fit all and through having that route into a chartered body um, any professional body obviously i'm proud to be part of the chartered body uh, it is the only apm is the only um, chartered body for the profession worldwide um so we want to help you all develop with sort of one uh one eye on the future uh, and we'll, we'll look at that a little bit um more in a moment i started out in project management many many uh, i was gonna say many moons ago um <laughs> many years ago um there was there was just no support there my employers um offered little or nothing in the way of development and i felt I had to struggle on my own to be this perfect project delivery person. If only I'd known about APM um, back then, boy, things might have been a lot different. So it's no surprise to me that I ended up changing, um, having a shift in career. I moved from delivering 
helping people deliver and giving them access to so much that I knew I was lacking back in the day. And to be part of APM and see how it's evolved um, over the past 10 years um, um, in, where I've been um, and the, the, the massive resource that is available um, to help you as individuals, but also to help you develop your teams. Some of you watching, maybe just starting out, some of you may be well experienced. You may have teams that you're responsible for, for delivering projects. You know, come and work with us on a partnering approach. That business to business behind the scenes relationship is about how we support your capability build because you're responsible for teams. But the individual membership offering that's um, available to anyone wishing to join really is um, key to helping you get along. So um quite like this starter to charter. I think it's quite catchy. I think you can it can stick in your mind. And if you sort of think of APM as right, what can what we're there, we could be on your left shoulder all the time throughout your career. Come to us um, to help you develop, to open doors, to build those networks. This pyramid here is um just showing how you can align with various grades of membership and qualifications which marry with your given level of experience at any one time um, and i think we would just want to be that critical friend because we can offer out so much resource to you as you're trying to build your careers um, as i said we're the only chartered body for the project profession this has been quite a game changer um, we've got um, 2.3 thousand on the register currently um, and that's obviously growing with every cycle that we go through. I'll touch on chartered and, and the routes shortly but I think I want to really let you know what's in it for you now by becoming um, a member of APM to see you throughout your, your project and your change careers. They're very much intrinsically linked. So pick your membership, pick your level of membership. Um, Free student member, if you're studying towards a project management qualification, we do so much work with um, accredited universities, for instance. Come and get everything for free. Why not do that early on in your career while you're studying? Um, and then we would like to think you'd stay with us throughout the rest of your career, where you can progress through associate member, full member, and beyond, because this is about recognizing your contribution to the profession. By the time you've got something like five years experience under your belt, you know, why not let us give you post nominals after your name, go through an application route that you get to demonstrate what you've been achieving. Um, so we want to recognize you through these various levels of membership. Um, the benefits really are all designed with, with just a couple of things in mind. We want to help you progress, we want to help you open doors, and we want you to build that capability. So it's all about you accessing the resources that are right for you at a time when they're right for you. And with everything being digital as well, there's no excuse to, to get that information on the go or to connect with people um, on the go. So really, um, take control and supercharge your networks. Um, start building them from scratch if you're a newbie. Um, get involved in the many groups by accessing the community, which uh, it, it, we have international reach. So you can be on a platform as an individual member, reaching out to project professionals of every grade, 
in any country and getting that dialogue going and learning and sharing through that particular platform um, that we're offering to, to our members. We want to help you expand your knowledge through all of that free um, informal kind of CPD, continuing professional development. But what about the qualifications and recognition? And here's where we partner with um, some excellent um, accredited training providers who roll out those qualifications on our behalf um, and indeed help people uh, prep and get ready for chartered, as, as we've already heard. Um, so accessing digital resources, um, let us tailor how you want us to communicate with you. Never miss out on anything. Um, get uh, detailed newsletters from us, the project journal, which makes for very good reading um, and could even see you having a, a piece in there if you've got something good um, to tell us about or um, the industry you're in wants to really showcase something they're doing. Um, and So just let us be that constant in your career. I've really only scratched the surface of what you get um, as an individual member there. But hopefully um, some food for thought. Right, chartered. Um, couldn't, can't go without saying something about chartered. Obviously, it's never too early in your career to start to plan what you need to do to get to chartered. You, you could be this far away from it. You could be several years away from it. But whatever you're doing now, they're all building blocks to getting you chartered ready, if I can use that term. Um, and we have three routes that we can offer. Um, I won't go into the detail there now, um, but um, feel free to check out um, the many workshops, webinars, blogs, the various sessions we do virtually um, to help people prepare for chartered. Um, just take a look, get, get it in your mind, start building your development plan with APM's help to get you all of the, the knowledge and resource you need so that you can build on the competencies that that standard calls for. And there's no end of ways that we can we can help you do that. Um, I could go on and on, but I'm I'm reluctant to, uh, to say to, to go into too much detail. But I think I'll leave you with one really, um, really interesting fact. And that is every year the project profession contributes circa 156 billion pounds to the UK economy. Um, that came out of some very in-depth research we did. Um, 12 months ago and if you're interested in the report it is available to download with lots of insights from our website but you know let's all just be super proud of being part of such an amazing profession and please don't hesitate to reach out via LinkedIn or email um, or through any other route Nick might be offering um, to get many more questions um, answered or ideas shared with your professional body because we're there for you thank you so much for listening yeah that's brilliant Trisha. yeah thank you very much indeed for kind of taking us through a little bit you know and sharing some of that insight so I, i've just got a couple of questions for you if i may before we go back to the panel so great job first of all in sharing us sharing with us a little bit i love the pyramid from starter to chartered i think that's really great um some fantastic advice it doesn't matter what stage you're in in your career if you're an undergraduate and you're studying you know and you're thinking okay world's a project is beckoning for my employment where do i begin that's a great place to begin there's always something that you can do uh, no matter what stage you're at early mid or late career 
it's a good opportunity to jump in and, and get active. And um, so a couple of specific questions. One is, um, uh, so if if I'm a project manager and I'm listening to this and I'm in another country, so if I'm in, I don't know, Australia or if I'm in you know, Japan or if I'm in, um, you know, Nigeria or Kenya, um, can I become chartered can i become a chartered professional or is that something which is more focused on folks who are working in the uk no it's absolutely global and we have quite an and i wish i'd brought the stats with me my full-blown presentation would show you exactly um from where each of our chartered uh, professionals come but we have quite quite a large growing number um from around the world it, it helps that we're working with other institutes that um, recognise the profession around the world. Australia is, is one that springs to mind at the moment, where we've given recognition for um, how they assess and accredit the development of people. And so we're able to allow a speedier route into chartered applications because there's this assessment piece already gone on. So we're not going to put people through the pain of being double assessed we're going to recognise that all that competence has been evidenced. Um, so, yeah, it's it's global. We're delighted and surprised at how interested other countries are. Um, obviously, we've got um, the majority from the UK in terms of numbers currently, but every cycle, and we hold for, for a year, we get applicants from um, other countries. And so, yeah. And because a lot of the UK companies we work with, they operate globally. So they're rolling out the standard as, as a default. So it's driving people to us anyway, which, you know, is, is only good news. Great. Well, thank you very much indeed. And um, every journey begins with a single step. So let's revert back to the panel. I know that I've seen more questions kind of coming in and they're stacking up a little bit. So panel, let's pick up the pace if we can on the answers uh, over these <clears throat> next few questions. So Charlotte, can we have the first question, please? You can. We've got a question from Sharon in Delhi, India. Is it necessarily to be affiliated to a membership body in order to strengthen my CV? Raj, go ahead. In my opinion, yes, because there's the argument I had somebody with somebody about a couple of years ago on LinkedIn that why do I need a project management qualification? And as you know, was mentioned earlier, we need to start thinking about this as a profession. And I, my question to them was, would you employ a doctor or a lawyer who did not have any qualifications. And so why would we today want to get a project manager who has no qualification? The <clears throat> challenge is, where does that qualification come from? And if you are part of a, a body that is internationally recognized, then at least your qualification has weighted value. And I do believe you need to be going down that route. And thank you for sharing the chartered route. That's exactly why we believe chartered is the right way to go. Hey, thanks, Ricardo. I've worked in um, four different continents. I've worked in countries where uh, engineering standards are non-existent. And when the engineering standards are non-existent, designers typically use, among others, British standards. So the APM, the status, the chartered status works the same way. It's recognized throughout the world. There's no questions asked. 
someone has assessed your uh, skills, competency, experience, qualifications, and has put a, a stamp on it. So it's it's um, it definitely is uh, a, a great help in your CV, in anyone's CV. Okay, yeah, thanks very much indeed, and um, totally agree with that. It's all about keeping current, keeping up to date. Um, let's press on, Charlotte, please, with the next question. We've got a question from Ramakumar in Bangalore, India. Are memberships relevant for professional recognition? Okay, um, I think it's pretty common, this one, uh, related to the previous question, but go ahead, Tricia. Absolutely. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have an employer who um, recognises your work and your achievements, that's one thing. That's great. But to stand out in the profession and be more visible um, as contributing to that profession, not just what you're doing in your current employment, um, why wouldn't you want to strive for that? Um, and a typical example is having post-nominals after your name as a member of the Association for Project Management, you'll find that carries quite a bit of weight. And with the 500 organisations we work for, where they virtually mandate membership and want people to um, evidence that they're achieving a certain standard, even to become a member, uh, we're seeing it in, in job specs, in uh, uh, recruitment, um, so, yeah, I think you might be missing a trick if you, you know, ignore that there is obvious links there. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And particularly for people who are early career. Martin, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's really important. And also it's, it's the um, discipline and where else as well. There are quite a lot of membership organisations across the world. And, it, and it's also been with the right one relevant to the market you're into. So, for example, in Europe, it might be. IPM case certainly the APM uh, thirty five thousand members the PMI is worldwide but again it depends where you are what pockets and, and if you're in Australia it would be the Australian Institute of Project Management so it's also a little bit about thinking where you want to be and where you want to work yeah I agree with that um a lot of folks now as well the relationship with their employer has changed fundamentally so whereas in the past you joined an employer and you expected to progress you know for a long time with one organization and you look to them to provide you with your career development your frameworks your imports your you know sponsoring your training and all of that kind of stuff nowadays an awful lot of people you have to take this on yourself you know as a contractor or you're working you know in an economy where you're working for yourself and you're selling your services it's critical that you have this uh, connection if you like, to a group of like-minded professionals who can help you grow and develop slightly ahead of your earning potential. Because without that, it's really difficult to break out of the current role that you have and into those more senior or you know broader responsibilities that you're wanting to attain. You know, once you have got underway with your career, so I would say, invest early, take it on yourself, accept it as a cost, just like buying the right clothes or being in the right city or presenting yourself in the right way and, and really leverage that investment. Uh, final thoughts, Ricardo, before we move on. No, you've, you've uh, apologies, but I think you've corrected yourself. You used the word cost before, but you ended the sentence with investment. That's what I wanted to highlight. Uh, apologies. Okay. It's clearly, it's no, clearly no. an investment and not, not a cost. 
<laughs> Absolutely right. Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, you know for highlighting that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Charlotte, we've got time for two more questions, I think. So let's move on. Okay, we've got a question from John in Manchester. I get confused by the difference between the APM G and the APM. Please, can you clarify? All right. Okay. Well, I can say from the APMG side of the equation a little bit that actually this this started off. So APM Group actually started off many many years ago from a desire to begin the process, if you like, of turning uh, qualifications into a commercial business, and um, that's our heritage. That's kind of where we began. So we were founded by Richard Farrow, and he is continues today to be a fellow of the APM, of the Association for Project. But there's two very separate organisations, independent organisations. One's the Chartered Professional Body um, for um, Project Management in the UK. And the other one, with the G on the end, is the Examination Institute and the accreditation business that is hosting these shows. So um, related, but separate. Okay, right, there we go. Let's move on. Next question, please, Charlotte. The next question, I think, is a, a great question to end the show on. Um, what are the th- top three advantages of memberships? Okay, so panel, let's between us, let's draw these things up then. So what would we say have to be in our top three benefits of being a member of a body? Trisha will come to you first and then Raj and then Ricardo. Um, top three in my opinion, and, and what we know works, is having access to people, knowledge and networks. Um, it's that tailored advice and support for your chosen profession and being part of that absolutely massive community um, and, and all of the benefits that spill out from being involved directly and indirectly. Okay, thank you, Raj. I think the I'll go back to membership and just getting away from work. I umpire hockey in the UK in England at a national level, and we have a body called NPUA. I won't try and expand out the whole thing what it means. And it's actually very proud to be a member. If I had time, I'll show you my shirts. And my wife gets a little bit fed up because I have so many of these shirts that I have that NPUA badge on it, and I like to wear them. So whether it's profession, whether it's hockey, whether it's a sport. To be part of that membership, to be part of the community, and I and I just say exactly what Trisha said is about being part of that team, being able to share knowledge. Because one of the things we do within hockey, some things happen on the game today. Just before we started today, somebody talked about an incident and they gave a goal. Should they have given a goal or not? And the argument you can see, 20 messages came back. It's a great goal. So it's about being able to share your ideas and develop yourself Thanks. by listening to others. Thank you. Okay, very good. Ricardo? So uh, I think we've already addressed reputation. It's, it's unquestionable that reputation is, is one of the, of the reasons. But I think that uh, we, need to, we need to remember, for instance, what, what Japan did after World War II. Uh, they decided to learn from mistakes, mistakes from others. So it's about being effective, doing the right things, avoiding mistakes, but having the, the opportunity to, to network to listen, to talk with peers and uh, people more experienced to avoid mistakes. So it's it's going deeper 
into the knowledge. Uh, it's also going going wider because if I'm a project into the knowledge, because if I'm a project manager on, on, on the infrastructure, on the railway business, I want to understand what project management is like on the pharmaceutical business, for instance. So I want to, 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 to widen my, my spectrum of, of, of knowledge. And it's, it's, it's yeah. doing better. It's getting access to insights and critical thinking that is uh, continuously uh, made available online. Thank you. Thanks very much, uh, Yugata. Yeah, I think I can add on to the fact that if I was not part of some kind of a membership, I wouldn't be sitting here with the experienced people like the rest of the panelists here. And yeah, it's one of the perks of having a membership. Like you get that exposure uh, and sharing of uh, knowledge and experience of others. And uh, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Yugata. You've said it very eloquently. It's spot on. All about that community and getting value out of it. Um, Charlotte, I think we've got just about 60 seconds. Um, so we can have one more question. And panel, we're going to need to be uh, super quick with our answers. We'll just try and squeeze this last one in. It is a long question. Um, it's from a live viewer, though. How can I organize a coalition to support change? Alone, even with all the methodology, we need other people to handle change. I was thinking about training the line managers, but if they are not keen to be trained, it will be useless. All right. So this is all about finding who are those agents for change out there. Um, single sentence answers, if we can, Raj, go ahead. You have to work within the organization and actually get more people understanding where you're coming from. And if you can do that, and the more we come together, the better it's going to be. Okay, Ricardo. Um, develop a stakeholder heat map. Identify who are the informal leaders within your organization and work with them to be the champions of change. Very insightful. Thank you, Ricardo. Tricia? Yeah, I was going to come on to champions exactly as you've said. So um, getting those people around you who are who are the sort of early adopters, they're quick to understand the benefits because they're going to help you champion that messaging. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Um, so very good. Thank you very much, um, panel. You've done an absolutely great job. Um, really interesting session, dipping into the whole areas of project management and change management today. So I'm going to come around now and just ask you all for your kind of closing thoughts on the session for today. Um, Tricia, if you can go first, and then we'll come to your Garter next. Okay, um, just to sum it up, project profession is definitely changing at pace and will continue to do so. Future-proofing the skill sets of the project manager um, of the future is key. It's work we're um, working on all the time and I'm very passionate about. So come and be part of that journey as it continually changes. Okay, thank you very much, Yagata. And then Martin. Uh, sorry, Yagata, can't hear you. Okay, so we'll come back to you, Garta, in a moment. Um, Martin, your closing thoughts? I hope you can hear me okay. okay. 
Uh, we're a little bit breaking up, so I'll come back to both of you, if I may. A little gremlin. Um, just right at this Yeah, just right at this moment, if that's all right. So, um, Ricardo, uh, your closing thoughts, please. Yeah, just um, recommending everybody to look very closely and to, to uh, enroll in the certification, practice framework certification which is, in my opinion, the, the, the best, the, the most uh, well-integrated um, project and program management framework available in the market. And it happens to be one of the routes accepted by uh, APM for the chartered status. So I'm so happy I, I took this path. Thank you, Rajiv, for, for uh, walking me through it. And I would recommend everybody to replicate. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, Raj, your closing remarks? I feel uh, as a profession of project managers, we need to be thinking outside and actually combining the role of a project manager and a change manager. These are roles, these are not titles. And I cannot believe you can manage a project without understanding the human side, which is change management. And you cannot do change management without understanding project management. So the more we double up and understand both sides, and that will answer the previous questions, the better uh, uh, outcomes we're going to see. All right, very good. You got it. I think you may be back with us. So, your closing remarks, please. Can you hear me now? We can. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it goes like you cannot do pro project management without the chain management, mm. and you cannot do the chain management without the project management, in short. All right. Okay. Very good. And I know that we've still got a connection challenge with um, with Martin just right now. So we're going to um, wrap this um, session up where we are. So thank you very much indeed, again, panel. We look forward now to what's coming up next on Level Up, um, kind of next week. On next Monday, we uh, for the um, early of the two shows, the first of the two shows, and um, we're going to change times a little bit as the UK reverts back on Sunday to. Greenwich Mean Time. So if you're in the UK, 8am will be the start time for episode 20. On a day that we're really focusing in on careers, bringing a laser focus onto careers, um, following what's been called the, the great resignation that's been happening in the US with more than 4 million individuals resigning their current job in favour of moving to a different one. So in particular on that show, we're going to be focusing in on improving our digital CVs. How do you go about even authoring one nowadays and where do you host it and what is best practice um, for the sites that you should be linking to from that digital CV? Later on in the same day at 1 p.m. on this show, we're going to be uh, looking at improving our technical communication skills. There's, um, these are often the key, really, to becoming recognised as an expert um, internally within your organisation and also externally with your peers. Something which we can all work on improving are those communication skills that we use in our day-to-day -day jobs. So please do subscribe to the show. You can have uh, lots of different ways of doing that now. You can join us over on uh, YouTube. Just click on the channel to subscribe, click the little bell, and we will alert you then when we're going live and when we're posting new content. You can also, of course, subscribe to Level Up itself, and we'll send you then a personal summary of what's coming up over the next few weeks and how you can join us here on the panel and level up your career with APMG. So thanks very much, everybody, and we'll see you on the next show.